The Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. Lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up, when famine claims millions, when Good evening and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. It is a Wednesday night on this June 8th. So glad that you could join us. Uh, Right off the top, unfortunately, Max will not be joining us tonight as he has some uh, family issues that needs his attention. Plus, he'll be traveling soon, so he needed to take the night off. But I'm here, and Johanan is here and we will keep the program going, of course. Um, tonight, um, again, Max usually does the write-up and, and whatnot, um, but we'll do our best to, you know, get through the program. We've been doing it for a while, so I think we can manage. Uh, let me go ahead and bring Johanan in. Johanan, do we have you on the line, sir? Peace, peace. Peace Good to, to be you. here, Scotty. All right, all right, man. Um, I was just letting the listeners know, as you heard, that Max couldn't be uh, with us on on tonight's broadcast, but of course he's with us in spirit, and he's probably listening. Right on. He's in our prayers, of course. I understand he has some stuff going on with the family, so you know we all have our have our days when it's uh, when the when the world outside of this uh, program calls, and you just have to have to do the best you can to, to juggle everything. But like you said, we've been at this for a minute. And the uh, the war report will uh, will press on. All right, all right. Well, um, do you? Usually, we do our open opening comments and whatnot. So, anything I noticed, you've been posting some very very provocative truth to Facebook lately. Uh, so, um, I got a couple of things that have really been on my mind and whatnot, but I'm going to let you go first, man. What's on your mind tonight? What are you seeing out there? Oh, man. I'm seeing the Matrix, brother. I'm seeing the Matrix. It's uh, it's, it's amazing to me that we're still pressing forward in this uh, political campaign with, uh, you know, with, with the criminals and <laughs> and and sideshow circus acts is is the people that are saying they're going to try to run the country, but I mean that doesn't completely shock me, I guess, because the nation itself is you know it's a slave nation, uh, settler colony that was stolen from the people here and built up with with slave labor. So you know they continue to lie and cheat, steal, kill to uh, get ahead. But yeah, some of the things more specific to you know our modern day slavery situation. Uh, Max posted a. A story that's talking about the police and this uh, new technology that they're using now to uh, continue the asset forfeiture program. I, I think we'll probably get into that 
in tonight's program. Um, just uh, looking at, I've been, you know, I try to follow on Geo Group and CCA and, and just the corporate ties to Wall Street with uh, modern day slavery. And I'm really just, my heart is heavy, man, to see that, you know, Geo and CCA stocks continue to be, uh, you know, uh, listed as, as favorable uh, stocks to purchase and to and to hold on to for the profits and you know I saw an article today that, that showed real specific uh, margins between what uh, the standard standard and poor's the S&P 500 market uh, ratios come out at you know at different little parameters that they use to, to gauge how strong the market is overall in the geo group and CCA are trading well above the typical stocks on the market. So slavery is thriving and flourishing. You know, you know that's how you know. So that, that's what's on my mind. Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were reporting um, a drop in the price of GEO stocks and whatnot. And now it appears that, you know, they're gaining. You know, what? the only thing that – how can I explain that? Well, I'll explain it to you. Presidential politics – all right. right. It looks like Hillary Clinton is going to be shoved down the throats of uh, people <laughs> in the Democratic Party. Uh, we have well documented documented the Clinton's roles in private prisons. Of course, a key um, element of modern day slavery and human trafficking. But then also Donald Trump securing the nomination. And he stated uh, when the um, when Wisconsin was holding his primaries that he supported private prisons. He thought they were a good idea. And so I'm I'm thinking that perhaps that might be a reason why these private prison enslavers' stock is going up. They can't lose no matter who gets in. Exactly, exactly. With her ties, uh, talking about Clinton, with her ties specifically to the, 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 the last big boost that we saw in... Um, in prison populations with uh, Bill Clinton's terms as president. It, by his first four-year term, by the end of his first four-year term, he had effectively incarcerated more people than any other U.S. president in the history of the nation in the first four years of his term. So, you know, I think he boosted the first four years. I think he put like 500,000 people in prison in just those first four years. So with her ties to that and to policies you know, all the way through to NAFTA and get, you know, affecting our trade policies, which of course, you know, outsource jobs. See, the thing I always try to point out to people so they can really understand how big of a picture this is, shipping the jobs overseas was the best way to get people to not care when they brought the jobs back and put them in the prisons. See, if they had just taken you out of your, your job working at the plant, working at the mill, working at the factory and just said, look, we cutting these jobs and 30,000 people lose their jobs in a city like Cincinnati or in a city like, I don't know, L.A. somewhere or Seattle, you know, one of these cities where people have lost, you know, 30, 40,000 jobs at major corporations that have been around for the, you know, what they call it, blue chip stock, stock uh, corporations. Well, they made it look like that was a trade policy issue. They made it look like jobs were cheaper, uh, labor was cheaper overseas. So people could halfway rationalize, well, I mean, I guess those poor undeveloped countries, you know, they, they slave labor, basically, they're getting away with over there. So I could see that makes sense why they would, you know, Ford should ship the jobs over there. AT&T should ship the jobs over there. Wells Fargo, uh, all these companies, GE, they should all ship the jobs over there because it's cheaper. But what they did was chose to do that as opposed to fire you and then turn around, put you in prison, and then give you your job back. 
See, people might have rose up and fought back in the '90s about something like that. People would have would have tore, would have tore the place up if you you gonna take away my job. I can't pay for my car, my boat, my house, my kids' college because you gonna send a job to to prison. What slavery is real? What? Oh, it would have been a it would have been a war. But see now, they brought all those jobs back and they in the prison. And yet we don't see the sort of mass. Um, revolt against that practice uh, that we should be seeing and and that could be for several reasons mainly because the uh, corporate media which so many people get their information from does not highlight these things I've yet to see a corporate media report uh, naming the Fortune 500 companies and those outside the Fortune 500 that are utilizing prison slave labor so a lot of people don't even know it exists. I mean, look at the uh, work strikes that we see in Alabama, see in Texas. Still ain't seen the mainstream report on that. Right. And you're not going to see it. That's the thing. You're not going to see it. When we know that in this country, the media is controlled by, what is it, five or six main six. outlets? Yeah, six. That's Yeah, six outlets. So that's your choices. Now, if you are a researcher... If you are open to information, then of course you're somebody that's listening to this program or listening to the podcast of this program. You're somebody that's already researching and looking online, so you're finding alternate media outlets, and you know this information. You've been able to study it. You've been able to follow it. The, the information that's being put out is factual and true. We're not being proven wrong about any of this. That's the thing. So that's why you see a straight-up media blackout, because they cannot propagandize what we're saying. They cannot dispute what we're saying. They cannot explain what we're saying. They cannot justify what we're saying. All they can, The only play they have is to try to ignore what we're saying and just black it out altogether. And then the next thing they do, which is another story I kind of like to mention, is they put these fake figureheads out here as the leaders of the revolution, the revolution that they create and the simulation of a revolution. I saw an article that was talking about John Lennon supporting Hillary Clinton, and I damn near blew my top. This Negro is sitting there grinning and cheesing. Now, remember last year, John Legend came out as being one of these leaders of the, of the uh, reduced mass incarceration and, you know, one of these leaders of reform. And as we've talked about on this program, and we will continue to point it out because it's the truth, you cannot reform slavery. You have to abolish slavery. So as one of these reformers, here he is saying that Clinton is one of the first, is the first candidate to address what has become his, he's taking it as the church. Uh-oh, you kind of broke up on us there. Uh, go ahead. We heard some some interference, but go ahead. I, I oh, no, I said, I said uh, the article in the New Revolutions radio page, uh, it says stars for Donald Trump at a concert for Hillary Clinton. So obviously it's a propaganda piece from the Boston Herald, and I'm sure a larger you know, AP News story or what have you that the Boston Herald ran. But the quote is, Clinton is the first candidate to address his signature issue, which is the issue of mass incarceration. And we need to get away from policies that criminalize poverty. Well, first of all, he just picked this issue up last year. He rode the, the Oscar and Grammy or whatever he won off of making the song for the Glory movie or whatever about Martin Luther King. He rode that right on into the spotlight of being some reformer. Some They gave him a platform. And obviously he knows nothing about it because here he is saying that she's the first person to address the signature issue. Bernie Sanders wrote the damn legislation to end it. 
How how is that even possible? She just ended her relationship on paper and and above the table where you could see the money with private prisons. She ain't returned so, that money. She exactly. She didn't give it back. No, she didn't, and she didn't fire those private prison lobbyists working as bundlers for her campaign. Nope. So this is what we deal with, man. They black us out as best they can, and then they put up figureheads. And this is just like it was in the slavery days of old, 16, 17, 1800 slavery on the plantations of back in the day. Natural born leaders, natural and organic movements to uprise and to, and to uh, fight for freedom and to, to disrupt the system. Those people are tortured and killed. So you see all of our political freedom fighters from 40, 50 years ago still doing life in prison. We just had a story last week talking about the Africa sisters that still denied parole once again. I mean, this is what's going on, people, and you're not seeing it in the headlines of the newspaper and the local news and Fox News and CNN News. When we had the Black Panther movement mobilizing our, our communities against police brutality, feeding the children, educating people, teaching people self-defense, getting people politically aware and politically educated so they could run for seats in their own local communities and help to control what was going on in their communities. That outfit, COINTELPRO stepped in, demonized, criminalized, murdered, attacked, sabotaged, poisoned, everything under the sun, and still to this day continues to do that. Right, especially with um, the case of the Black Lives uh, Matter um um, yeah. person in California who just got convicted of lynching law. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is ridiculous. This is what's going on. This is what we see. And then you see the, the white dude that raped a girl and got six months. Mm, yeah, I saw that. Um, and this girl got four years for lynching. Before we get into uh, some of the stories that Max had uh, picked for us, and of course we contributed some of the stories, before we get into that, here's something that that has been bothering me all day. Okay, you know, yesterday, and I know all black people, I don't expect us to agree on everything. We are not a monolithic people. Okay, We, we make up we are made up of individuals with their own mind and everybody should make up their own mind about things but they should but they should give some thought before they speak okay they should really give some thought to these issues now and and what am i talking about i'm talking about the black people two different black people i've come across in two days who are speaking out against free public tuition Uh, excuse me, free tuition at public colleges and universities. Not free tuition at Harvard, not free tuition at Yale, not free tuition at Duke, okay? None of of these so-called, you know, uh, schools that are supposed to be so prestigious and we're talking about your local community college. We're talking about your local state university or college that's already getting funded by your taxpayer uh, money anyway, okay? But here is the thing, though. We hear so many of these people with degrees talking about education is key to helping us, our communities, get out of the situation that they're in. That, you know, if you get a good education, um, you know, your job prospects will look better. You'll be able to earn more money, although that that isn't always the case with so many people not able to find jobs for which they have degrees in. But 
for these people who advocate so much for education to then turn around and say, well, I don't think that we should have any free tuition at public colleges and universities. Um, I think everybody should pay for it. That just that just drives me crazy. Now, how does this relate to slavery? All right. Hopefully, although it's no guarantee, the 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 more educated you are, the less likelihood that you will end up on a prison plantation. Now, that's you know that's still no foolproof method. Method. Plenty of 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 uh, degree Negroes have ended up on the prison plantation. Okay, so so don't get me wrong there. But it would decrease the likelihood. Okay, now, so when I hear them coming out against it, you know, I'm thinking, all right, are you also against reparations to the descendants of enslaved Africans? Because even though that free tuition for public colleges and universities would be for all people regardless of, of their status and whatnot. It's still a good thing. And you know, as a black person, you shouldn't not be saying that because that is not free. It was paid for with the blood, sweat and tears of enslaved Africans. Many of these colleges have been built by enslaved Africans and now you as a black person as a person claiming to be descendant from this mistreated group of people you don't think all of a sudden uh, oh tuition free is a bad ideal and all this and that and, and I just feel like a lot of these people is fronting okay it's either one or two things I feel like they want there to be a permanent underclass so that they can feel important and, and like you know what I'm saying they're better than other people and whatnot. or you know the other thing is just it's just more sinister they're just being they're lying they're just saying it because Hillary Clinton said it first or her surrogate said it first because I did not hear it until Clinton's surrogates put that out there to attack uh, Sanders plan for a free tuition at public colleges and universities to be paid for by Wall Street like he said the American taxpayer bailed out Wall Street now it's time for Wall Street to bail out the American taxpayer alright and so I, I mean I don't care. Look, are you going to tell, are you, if your child, let's say your child is, is a good athlete in sports and they get a scholarship, they're going to get a full ride, right? Don't have to pay for anything, okay? Are you going to then turn around and say, well, we don't accept free stuff, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, we want our child to go to that school, but we don't want you to pay for it. We'll pay for it. Whoever hmm. said will say something like that? Nobody. Okay. Right. Nobody. And and I don't recall any white settlers turning down free land that was given to them all throughout the Midwest and the West. All this free land. I ain't see them talking about, well, we don't want that land for free. We want to pay for it. Okay. When um, New York City and California was offering free public tuition at, at the city colleges and state colleges, all right, in the 1960s, I don't think any of those those uh, uh, immigrants who took advantage of that said, you know what, this is great. We appreciate what you're trying to do, but we, we, we think we should pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and pay for it ourselves. You know what I'm saying, man? It makes zero sense, and it just ain't, it angers me, man. It angers me. 
So, you know, um, and, and I do, uh, you know, they they rather keep the school to prison pipeline in place instead of the, you know, preschool to college pipeline. So that's, that's what I wanted to rant about today. <laughs> well, you were on track, of course, and I got an echo. Can you hear the echo on the yeah, it, it'll go away. Okay. At any rate, um, you're right on track, man. I mean, with what you're talking about, and one prime example that is always right on the you know front of my mind is the state of Arizona. You know, I mean, everything that we talk about on this program, kind of in a in a little in a little uh, nutshell, right there in the state of Arizona. Okay, ACLU supposedly won the settlement against the state prisons in Arizona for all this abuse and neglect and lack of medical care and on and on and on, this huge settlement they won, which ACLU, I don't know what they did with the millions that they got out of it, but as we talked about, nothing has changed. The health care, everything is the same in the state prison populations. They haven't reduced populations. They still got the same health care providers out there, on and on and on. When they had their election season, they had state prosecutors uh, running, you know, for, for different positions. They had um, the governor. They had... Uh, I think their their attorney general for the state. They had several people that were running, and then uh, when they tried to smear each other and talk about supporting private prisons, then the truth came out that several of them had been lobbyists for private prisons. So you're running against each other. You didn't have a choice but to get a, a somebody this this pro private prisons, pro slavery. That's how they had them people in the state wrapped up. So that leads to the next thing: when the elections are over. Pretty much everybody that got elected is pro-private prisons. Well, it's no big surprise when the state of Arizona settles the ACLU settlement, and the settlement requires that uh, the state prisons are, cl are claimed that they did nothing wrong. They're not at fault for anything. They didn't do anything wrong. They followed every word, every code, every law. They didn't do nothing wrong. These people just died. These 60-some-odd these people just died you know, for whatever reasons. Um, and then they try to blame the providers, the medical care providers, which they renewed their contracts anyway, so more billions of dollars are going to the health care. So now you got all these state reps that have been voted into place or whatever, and they're all pro-slavery. Guess what happens? The governor's first budget he puts out cuts education by nearly $100 million and puts that money into prisons, private prisons specifically. Damn. So as it relates to what you're talking about with education, the state of Arizona is one of the states that has had to turn to offering free freshman college uh, courses at their Arizona and the state universities, community colleges around the state. They had a conference of education of higher education officials that came together and they had to decide. We're going to have to give away free classes for freshman year to get people to still try to come. And we maybe get them caught up in this thing and they want to finish it, then they'll figure out how to pay for it you know, to get on out of here. But we are not drawing people in because there's not enough money to help people go. So the governor cuts it. They got to give it away for free, and like you said, a lot of this is this is state funds. This is taxpayer dollars that they decided to divert toward prisons. Which, of course, we know Arizona is one of the states that has 100% full to capacity contracts with Wall Street corporations. They have 100% full to capacity contracts. That means unless the state keeps the prisons full at 100%, so Geo Group and CCA and other private prison companies that are operating in the state, unless those companies are guaranteed that they got full capacity so they can guarantee their stockholders, and you can see their Wall Street numbers going up all the time because they got a great future. 
If you can't do 100%, then you're going to pay fines. And again, the state uh, the state taxes are going to be hit. The taxpayers are going to be on the hook for reducing crime, for less people going to prison. So this is all connected. Jobs are gone because there's slave labor in the prison. School is free because they don't have no choice but to give it away free because there's no funding to help people go. I mean, how deep does the thing have to go, man, for people to realize we 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 in some trouble? Yeah, and, and then, you know, I hear those same people, well, how how do we play, pay for it? Well, he said with a Wall Street tax, okay, a tax on Wall Street. It, it ain't that hard, folks. But then, you know, also when you look at the money that will be saved by abolishing private prisons, well, there you go. You found a whole, but you found at least two billion a year right there. So you know, I'm I'm just I'm sad and I'm angry at the same time because I don't want I don't believe that these people are evil. The, the people I heard say these things or whatnot, you know, I don't think that they're evil. I just think they are uninformed and they are are allowing themselves to be brainwashed by talking points put out by. The Clinton administration. I mean, the um, oh Lord, the administration. The Clinton campaign. <laughs> yeah, the Clinton campaign. So, yeah. right, right. So let's. They're let's lazy, move. Scotty. I believe they're lazy. So I don't give them a pass. You know, they may not be evil as in active, out here looking to do wrong. But if they're not looking to do right, then what's their other choice? If they're not looking to research the situation, then what does that tell you? That they're they're passively, they're passively evil. They're passively supporting slavery. So I can't give them a pass. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I I understand that. I mean, and these are people with degrees, so you would think that they would be a little bit more skilled in critical thinking, but a piece of paper don't don't guarantee that. You know what I'm saying? All it means is that you was able to complete the coursework. So... Um, moving on, uh, what's one of the first stories that you want to jump into? And before I do, let me give out the telephone number for any listeners who may want to uh, call in and and share uh, with us um, their thoughts on what we're talking about. Uh, you can do so by giving us a call at 641-715-3660. The participant code is six, uh, sorry, 549 Pound and then just hit star six one to comment on air. So, uh, what story we want to jump on first? Well, we got a few minutes. Uh, we got the story that we're, what we're basically talking about with uh, Bernie Sanders saying in the corporate ownership. Uh, you know, do you want to play that clip on uh, on air? Or yeah, I can go ahead and run that for you. It's want... in the planning link here. Okay, I got um, it. I got it up. Um, just tell okay. me when. Oh, you can go right ahead. We might as well play it, and then we can discuss. <laughs> or go to break if it plays till then. I think it's a couple of minutes. Uh, if you read our platform in terms of criminal justice, it is very clear that we have got to end corporate ownership of prisons and detention centers. Our job should be to keep people out of jail. If you are a corporation that owns a jail, what is your incentive? You make more money by getting more people into jail. All right? So we have got to end that, and I will end that. That is one of the important planks on our criminal justice reform. And your, you know, the point that you made also, I mean, it's, I mentioned that earlier, 
There is a lot of pain in the immigrant community. We heard it from Betty, and we have heard it from, I have heard it from so many people. People who are afraid of being deported, who are afraid of being separated from their children, or children being separated from their parents. That is not what our immigration policy should be. We unite families, not divide families. Okay, yeah, Raul. Hello? Let, let, me, uh, let me just, I, mean, I can't add to what the senator's already said, but just to say that the immigration platform of the Sanders campaign and Bernie talks specifically to the question that if you don't dismantle and repeal those provisions of the 1996 laws that have led to the situation, you cannot have the kind of comprehensive immigration reform that we want. That has to be part of it. The other thing is to begin to end the bed quotas, the requirements that so many beds be filled for these for-profit prisons again. And I think one of the reasons that many of us have, uh, uh, have committed so strongly to Bernie is because we see the effect in our communities. And one of the things in all of Bernie's campaign is that he no los, como decía mi papá, no los ha, nomás para taparle el ojo al macho. It has been, it has been sincere, real. And what Bernie says in this setting is the same that he says in another setting. And I think that's very, very important. What you think, bro? I'm, I mean, uh, he preaching to the choir. I mean, it, it, it just all. I, look, man, we were talking about this before Bernie Sanders even showed up on the national scene, which I had never heard of him prior to this campaign season. But we have always, for the for the uh, three years that we've been doing this program, have focused in on the private prison. So definitely, you know, I, I, everything he said, I agree with. And and not only not only. You know, um, do they have an incentive to keep people in prison? But again, when you have lobbyists for the private prisons writing the laws, and, right. and, and I mean, Alec, the uh, American Legislative Exchange Commission set up by by the Koch brothers. Okay, they've been writing uh, uh, this sort of legislation for years even bringing in state representatives to teach them how to go back to their home states and push this through their uh, state legislator and make it become law. Uh, uh, and, and so I, I'm not, I'm just don't see how people think one of the main, not one of the main, but one of the key architects of implementing those 1996 laws that they're talking about uh, that increased mass enslavement to the level, never unprecedented levels. How do you think a person who was key to erecting that is going to all of a sudden, you know, tear it down? I, I, I don't I don't trust it. And I'm talking about Hillary Clinton, of course. But we do need to take a station identification break. We'll pick back up on the other side. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. The Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project. 
a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. Tuned in to Black Talk Radio, new black media for the new millennium. And welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Again, my name is Scotty. Um, I'm on the line with Johanan. Max could not be with us tonight as he has some important family matters to attend to, but he's here in spirit. So, um, Johanan, so what were your thoughts on, on the clip? Well, I mean, I agree, of course, with what you're saying. I mean, since this program has been on the air, um, this has been one of the key points that we've been discussing. And again, factually presenting to people, you know, I mean, I, I harp on that because that's rare. Number one um, is is our truthfulness, our undisputed presentation of the facts on all these matters. So I harp on that. Every chance I get, I'm going to remind people, look, they're not going to catch us in a lie. Everything we talk about is the truth and it's facts that we have researched. We're laying this out for you to understand that the heat is being turned up up under your lazy sitting around behind every minute of every day. So, yes, like he said, they've got the quota, a bed quota. It's much like we mentioned the Arizona uh, 100% capacity quota in the detention community. Number one, immigration uh, cases on the federal level are by far the most prevalent cases that are being tried in federal courts throughout this country is immigration cases. So the courts are backlogged for years. So these are captive slaves that are here in this country. We're keeping them in detention centers. The state of Texas has actually negotiated for themselves a damn uh, child care provider, a, a damn daycare license for their immigration detention centers. I mean, how sick do you have to be? You negotiated a daycare provider uh, credentials for a place where you keep people in cages, cement floors and cages, and, and, and have babies and mothers nursing and whole families and collecting $500 a day, three, four, five hundred dollars $500 a day at a minimum off state tax, uh, taxpayers out their pockets to pay for these people to be detained here, and you know they're not going to get out of the court system to either be sent back or to be made citizens or put into our system some kind of way legally for years. So this is generating billions of dollars every day, man, every day. That's so, why they ain't going to let Trump build no right. wall. Right. Come on, people. Well, it, I mean, if it, if he did, would it matter? Because we've, we've got cases we reported on where the uh, private prison companies are smuggling the people over here, then turn around and throw them in the prison. Yep. In, Wallassie, in that Wallace County situation down there, um, which one was it? it uh, uh, M, which is the, not GO and not CCA, the uh, M... MTC. Yeah, Management and Training Corporation. Yeah, they're, they're like the third largest. Uh, private prison company. They actually got caught. Their employees got caught in uniform in company vans crossing the border to Mexico and bringing people over here 
then letting them free in the neighborhoods on the other side of the border, and then waiting on them to get caught and put them right back in their prisons. And when they busted them for it, they paid some kind of small-time fine and kept right on collecting federal dollars from the Bureau of Prisons, kept on collecting federal billions to run them prisons until those same people refused to do slave labor for McDonald's, for Wendy's, for Victoria's Secret, for Walmart. When them people refused to do labor for them folks because they were being stuffed into literal tents, See, the prison was built for 800 people, and these fools built 2,000-bed tents, built, uh, what was it, 20 tents with 200 beds in them each, Man, men side-by-side, side, laid up side-by-side side in damn open-air tents, forced into labor for companies like McDonald's to produce the uniforms for their, for their employees, to produce the plastic where they use, to process the meats, for Walmart processing, uh, uh, repackaging damaged goods and open goods and whatnot, repackaging stuff so they can put it back on the shelf. I mean, this is what's going on. These are the contracts on the backside of the federal contracts that Obama is willing to give three, what he gave, $3.1 billion uh, last spring to the border crisis. Unchecked, unchecked billions of dollars just going out the door. Mm-hmm. And um, but but again, man, you know, um, there's not much difference between the Republicans and Democrats on the issue of modern day slavery and human trafficking. And it's been making me pretty sick to hear these people on television uh, and referencing Trump talking about the party of Lincoln. OK, obviously, they don't see Lincoln in the same way that I see Lincoln, because I know the truth. I know the man never intended to end slavery. And I know, in fact, he did not end slavery, that that 13th Amendment, they put that exception clause in there. Don't forget, he was a lawyer, right? They put that exception clause in there that allows slavery to continue through the crooked ass justice system in the prisons, uh, erecting the convict leasing program. And we're dealing with it to this very day slavery was never abolished people it, it was never abolished just cause it don't look like roots what you see on tv on roots is still is still occurring so what i said all that to say donald trump they are not gonna let him build the wall all right he he thinks private prisons are, are a good idea well who how does he think that uh, those private prisons are being kept full Oh hell no! He not. They not gonna allow him to mess with that cash flow by building a wall. Okay, and, and not that he's gonna build a wall anyway. That's just red meat for for the anti-immigrant crowd and what have you. So you know, I, I it, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He would even say that. But uh, and and that points to one thing: not to get overly political, you know, with my commentary and just you know focus too much on that. But just the point being that if you look at these presidents as we've been dealing, at least since I've been voting. I mean, my first election was 92 when I was eligible to vote. And uh, we've seen across the line, uh, it just in my time, I mean, I know throughout the history of the country, it's been pretty much the same thing. But, you know, Clinton comes in as a liberal, and the thing is, he's supposed to be uh, just naturally, you know, they create this narrative to say that he is some kind of way soft on crime. Even though he was in Arkansas throwing Negroes up under the jail. Without mercy, he suspended his campaign to go and watch the execution of a mentally retarded man, a man that had been lobotomized, mentally retarded. This man ordered his last meal and actually ordered dessert for after the execution. That's how out of it this man was. And he suspended his campaign to make a point to his Republican folks across the aisle 
that he was down with the program. He was down to with Mass appeal Carson. to he those conservatives. Yeah, to con- so so my mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. It, the the, well, the Clinton my, my Southern strategy. Is, That's, mm-hmm. They had a Southern strategy, and and she right. tried. She ran it la- um in two thousand and eight against Obama. People got short right. memories, man. Right, and that's my whole point. Just, just being that Trump is not getting ready to do anything that any of the rest of them haven't already planned on doing. And the point also being, he hasn't shown any kind of capacity whatsoever to be able to cross the the, the party, the aisle, as they say, and bring any members of Congress to do anything. I mean, his declarations of what he's going to do sounds like so just ridiculous he has not shown any ability to make any of these people listen to him agree to any of his politics agree to any of his measures his legislation anything he thinks he wants to do all they got to do is say no and he just is asked out as the rest of them so that's right man and and again i think the republican establishment and some of them have publicly stated they they want hillary Hmm. wow wow well i guess uh moving on so we covered, we talked about uh, Bernie a little bit there. What about this first story that's talking about um, uh, the the young man that got killed, uh, Anthony Lamar Smith? Um, that's, a, that's a crazy story. And I still haven't seen this really get out there in the, uh, in the mainstream media as yet. Right. I mean, we, you know, I mean, this is, this is a story from June 3rd on a site called blackmattersus.com. Um, so, you know, I mean, again, this is not CNN let, news. This let is me, not let me read, any of that. Let me read it to yeah, him. It's not, it's not very long. Uh, the videos were submitted to the Post-Dispatch shortly after the former St. Louis Metropolitan Cop Jason Stockley was charged with first-degree murder. One of the videos shows the footage of the scene immediately after Stockley fatally shot 24-year-old African-American Anthony Lamar Smith. Uh, Stockley's white, by the way. Then... Um, the then officer Stockley and his partner cop Chase Smith who the officer suspected to have had drugs in his car just because he was black on the streets of Thecla in St. Louis while flying the police SUV to stop Smith Stockley is heard on the police dash cam video saying going to kill this mf don't you know it after some minutes the cops crushed into Smith's car and Stokely approached him and shot him not once, not twice, but five times. After the shooting, Stockley then went on to frame up Smith by placing a gun in his car. Investigation showed that only Stockley's DNA was found on the gun. Bystanders who witnessed the incident only gave the police the information about the crime after the officer was charged with first-degree murder. Before the official commencement, people couldn't could not contact the police because they did not want to be hustled as witnesses in case the police decided not to blame Stockley and because there was little uh, or no level of trust between them. Stockley was charged on a bond of $1 million but was set free by the police union by the union without paying a penny. If he was black, he would be waiting for the court in prison like common people do. The video videos might be enough to convict Stockley for murder. Um, you know, I, I don't know about some of these details. I don't know. You can't be set free by a police union, okay? They might have put up his bond or something like that or, yeah, or whatnot. I think that's what they're alluding to is that they put the money up. Okay. 
here we go again. You know, here we go again. I, I don't know, man. But like we've discussed, um, you know, these kind of stories, just so people understand, this is not anything that's new by any stretch of the imagination. This is not something that is new or unique or dysfunctional about our country or about our legal system or about our system of law enforcement. None of this is, is, is operating in error. This, what you just heard, is how the system was created and for the purpose which it was created and how it is being maintained. This is the way it's supposed to work. That's what I don't think people still have their heads wrapped around. This is modern day slavery. What that story just told you is modern day slave catching. In the course of 300 plus years of kidnapping youth and young adults from the continent of Africa, 300 plus years of stealing kids and teenagers from the continent. Do you think all of them people made it over here alive? Hell no. They killed and raped and murdered and did whatever they wanted to right there on the continent, let alone the ones they brought over here and did it to. Just this for is fun. Not, this hasn't changed. Just for fun. Just because they could. Yeah. 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 It hasn't the, changed, man. Yeah, and that's the way these slave uh, catchers are operating today. They do it because there has been little to no accountability. What makes this particular story rare is that the guy was actually charged. It's not too often you hear <laughs> yeah, about charged. him being charged. Like Schlager, uh, Schlager was charged in uh, was it Cleveland where mm-hmm. he shot Walter Scott and uh, got out on bond a couple months later. Once 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 they felt like they could get past uh, that's Cleveland, right, where Walter Scott was killed, right? Um, no, that was Walter Scott was killed in Charleston, North Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, yeah, that's right in Charleston. That's right. I'm sorry. So you had the the uh, black folks murdered in the in the church. Um, and right around that same time, the Walter Scott thing. So they had to put this guy in prison for in jail for a little while till they till they kind of cooled off a little bit. Till they had enough kumbaya sessions. Till they had enough pastors come out and hold hands with the family and make all them Negroes stand there and say we forgive. Until they did enough daytime talk shows and said we forgive and we moving forward and Jesus gonna heal it and all of this. Till they could get people calmed down. Then magically Schlager made bail and he went home on house arrest. So this man being charged and whatever is just, I mean, you know, these are procedures that go forward, but I have very little doubt that there will be a conviction, you know, because this is just par for the course, man. This is the way the system's set up. It's not set up to convict slave catchers. Right, and and we have seen time and time again, you know, juries set these people free or end up in hung juries, and then the prosecutor does not refile charges. And right. you know, so so yeah, you're you're right, man. It, it's it's more probable that he'll be found innocent, regardless of any video or anything like that. You know, uh, we hope that's not the case, but unfortunately, we had we. I mean, not unfortunately, but we had to be realistic. We had to look at right. the patterns and practices. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, with that being the case, and how things have gone. Uh, we got another story. If you want to go to this one from Mother Jones, is talking about the public now having access to hundreds of videos that document shootings by the Chicago Police Department. Which you know, I mean, it almost sounds—it's almost sounding wore out to me to even say it myself. How Chicago is one of the most notorious, you know, notoriously uh, just terroristic police forces in the nation. Because really, they all competing for the crown. Yeah. So. 
but yeah, so this is crazy. It says, in a movement to boost transparency and regain public trust. Now, mind you, they may want to gain the public trust again, but they ain't about to close down Holman Square, the, the CIA-style black site that the police been using for years to just take people and hide them away so they don't have any legal representation. Families don't know where they're at. People dying in custody there, totally off the radar, totally off the books. Nobody's been held accountable for that. And they haven't closed it down. So how are you going to say you want to boost transparency and regain public trust? You haven't done anything the people have told you to do that's already been killing people. So anyway, the Chicago Independent Police Review Authority made public an online database Friday that includes videos, audio recordings, police reports, and other documents related to 101 police misconduct cases currently under investigation by the agency. Now, 101 police misconduct cases might not even be a full year's worth of complaints because a city like Chicago is paying out 15 to $20 million a year in settling abuse claims. So in settlements, that don't even mean they even made it to actual court or went through any kind of trial, any kind of fact-finding, whatever. The prosecutor just saw that it was bad enough, and they just went ahead and paid the people out to, to move on. That means there's cases in the thousands of people making claims against the city, and they're paying them out. So 101 of them are under review. Um, the move comes at the urging of the Police Accountability Task Force put in place by Rahm Emanuel last December after he almost lost his job uh, amid political fallout from the release of a video showing the fatal police shooting of teen Laquan McDonald. The database includes more than 300 videos from body cameras, dashboard cameras, bystander videos, plus audio recordings from 911 calls and police radio transmissions. This material uh, covers 74 police shooting incidents that occurred between January 11 in uh, January of 2011 and May of 2016, 74 police shooting incidents in a five-year time period that they're covering with this information. That is not all of them by any stretch of the imagination, as well as other cases involving use of force, including, uh, including against suspects who were already in police custody. Eight of the shooting in incidents occurred this year. So here you go. This is only, what, uh, June? And they already had eight. So 74 in a, in a five-year time period, that you know it's more than that. Uh, a year in which homicide rates in Chicago have soared. So they always love to counterbalance police violence and uh, police brutality and police extrajudicial murder. They like to counterbalance that up against this uh, so-called black-on-black crime, like trying to justify that, well, of course the police are going to kill some of these people because look at how many people are killing each other there. There's no correlation between those things. None whatsoever. There is no correlation there. You just throw that out there because a lot of people don't want to face it, so they're willing to take that crap. Well, In we February, also, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we also know the police uh, instigate uh, those things between different, you know, street gangs and whatnot. There's video of Chicago police officers driving a young man to a rival so-called community and whatnot, and the guy, and, and put him out. Mm -hmm. and knew he was yeah. going to be beat. Um, yeah. I've also heard from people who were, uh, over the years of you know me doing uh, political talk radio, I've interviewed people who were activists in uh, Los Angeles, you know, back at the height of the crack epidemic and whatnot, and they were saying that police would routinely, of course they'd be undercover cops and whatnot, but they would steal the cars of a gang member and then do a drive-by shooting on the rival gang to keep them fighting each other right. instead of right. uniting and fighting against the slave catchers. Right, right. 
And of course, that's a scene famous from several uh, movies. I think they did that in uh, Menace to Society. I think they dropped them off in the wrong hood. Colors. Uh, some of these, you know, these these old gang gang banging movies or whatever, hood movies or whatever you want to call them, they've been showing that forever. That they'll pick the brothers up and rough them up and whatever, and then drop them off in the wrong hood and, and burn out and then leave them to get, you know, beat up or killed or whatever in, in the wrong part of town. But there's people that have come out and said for years that the police are are at least complicit, if not the ones orchestrating the the flow of guns illegal guns and, and drugs and whatnot into these communities anyway. These people are landlocked, man. These people don't have any connections with anybody outside of their city like that. These people don't have no kind of don't don't have no plug on no guns or whatever. A never ending flow of illegal guns just always coming into your you what name something else did especially black folks. And this is not a conspiracy theory when you consider the fact, look it up. Okay. Yeah. The deal that the DEA cut with the right. Sinaloa drug cartel, right. which gave them a free pass to to traffic drugs to Chicago. Now if they bringing drugs, you know they 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 bringing other stuff too. Like it was guns, guns and drugs named in that. It was guns was it and guns drugs named, named in it too. They bringing both of them up. Okay. Yeah. So your government approved that. They approved hmm. that. And you know, so um, yeah, they, they, we don't deal with conspiracy theories. We we may have some theories about some things, but usually we deal with the facts. Right, and this is in, in a matter of public record in the court of law. The testimony of witnesses, several witnesses in these cases against the Sinaloa heads, who didn't even really get no heavy time when five they got convicted. Years, I think. Straight up, say it. Five years. Five years, I believe. Yeah, you got folks that doing life over a twenty bag of weed. <laughs> you got more black folks in prison over nonviolent drug-related offenses. You've seen the laws ratcheted up, the sentencing and the harshness of the of the sentencing ratcheted up over the years to make any kind of interaction with the police some sort of a violent. You know, because it was getting out, the story was getting out that these are nonviolent crimes. Why are you putting these people in prison for life? Okay, we can make them violent then. Oh, it was some nail clippers in the ashtray of the car when we pulled him over, and he was trying to use that like a knife. Oh man, that's that's three felonies right there. So, mm-hmm. and this is literally what is going on. You know, I just thought about um, some misdirection that have been thrown our way on this on these uh, gun issues. Number one. Okay, I support the right of every human being to have the means to protect himself, to protect his family uh, from whatever threat there may be. I do believe in responsible gun ownership. Okay, I I do believe in that. Uh, I believe if a gun owner is irresponsible and people get access to the gun, that aren't supposed to have access to it and because of their negligence they should be held responsible for that but I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't recall that the guns were mentioned drugs and guns being smuggled now I was Mm -hmm. just thinking you know how do we know just like the Bush administration and the Obama administration had this gun walking program dumping guns into Mexico saying that then when these guns are used in crimes then we can trace them to you know whoever whatever gangs doing the killing makes no absolutely zero sense to me 
to arm right. these people so they can kill somebody and then you come and convict them. Okay. All right. So I wouldn't doubt if that's where it was going on as well. While we got people trying to say, oh, it's the gun manufacturer who's putting all these guns in the community. Now, think about what you just said. Okay. Do you think that these people who are in the business of making a profit is just going to give their guns away unless they're selling them to the government to, you know, dump in the community or whatnot? Um, but that makes absolutely no sense to blame gun manufacturers for the gun crime when you have your government who has been involved in gun running for a very long time partnering with these criminal organizations. Man, people just really need to be more informed. Yeah, they really do. In the age of information like that, as they say, uh, you know, ignorance is a choice at this point. So that's why I say I think uh, that people need to start being classified as being passively terroristic. I mean, if you're not trying to study this and you're not looking for some kind of way to end it, you're passively uh, allowing it. And if it's violent, it if it has a violent end, mm -hmm. if it has a, a slave uh, a slave trading end, if it has a, a, a rape end, if it has an extrajudicial murder end to it, a human trafficking end to it, if it has an end that includes Wall Street trading humans like chattel as they did on the original Wall Street where they kept slaves in stockades and traded them right there, that's some of the first commodities traded. If you're not actively researching and looking for some kind of way, asking, seeking, knocking, trying to figure out how to end it, you are passively allowing for it. And if it ends in death, if it ends in the rape, of your fellow man, if it ends in the incarceration of little children, breaking up of families, enslavement of people, then you're part and parcel with the enslavers. There ain't no, no middle ground on this. Right. I'm right. sorry, man. I just, oh, no problem, it, man. It's, it's, hey, it's frustrating. But man. getting back just, to you know, this it, story. It just frustrates me. Getting back to this story about these, um, these videos and whatnot. Meanwhile, here deep in the South, behind enemy lines in the state of North Carolina, the state legislature, which is to entirely controlled by Republicans, um, are, a, a bill is working its way through the state house uh, right now, just passed the Senate, to um, make these dash cam videos off limit to the public. Other states have done that too throughout the South, uh, have banned dash cam video and the, and the body cam video. And, you know, we've seen even where it wasn't banned, uh, uh, you know, battled successfully through legislation uh, by the unions and police, you know, what have you, where, it ha where that hasn't occurred. They just have allowed the police to continue to corrupt uh, tapes and, you know, corrupt evidence and never be held accountable for, for that. I mean, this is... The, I'm just trying to calm myself down, man, because it is, it, we need people to gather the information and then be able to spread that out to others who may not know. We need to be able to stay patient about it, even though we know our backs are against the wall, even though, you know, I have children, you have children, Max has children and grandchildren, and, you know, on and on. We know what the future holds for us. We know what all of our time here has been about. It's not like it was no other time when it was something else going on where people should be drawing hope from. You don't have any example of some other way that this whole thing was going on. 
There is no precedent that was set of freedom, of liberty, of justice, of people being able to live and do and blah, blah, blah. There ain't no example of that. It nope. is only slavery. It is only terrorism. It is only murder. Come on, people. Well, let's... Um... Uh-oh, wrong clip. Okay, um, yeah, let's get ready to uh, take a break, and then on the other side of the break, we will continue uh, with some of these news stories and, of course, giving our commentary. But listen, um, you are more than welcome as a listener to participate in the dialogue. So give us a call at 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549 549- Zero three two pound. Just hit star six and one to comment on air. You are listening to New Abolitionist Radio on Black Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back. Since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. My name is Scotty, and my co host, co producer, comrade in the abolitionist movement, Johanan, is riding with me. So, what's next, Johanan? Well, we got a uh, we got a few choices we can go to. It's all uh, let's go with the superdelegate that has been sentenced right. to twelve years in prison for corruption. <laughs> all right, yeah, we're, we're, we're lightening up a little bit. <laughs> it's been pretty heavy, <laughs> so we're, uh, hopefully that's a good thing. You know, hopefully that's a good thing. BigBlueVision.com published this article um, two days ago. Um, the Associated Press also reported this uh, on, um, let me see, it was actually earlier. It was actually last month, but damn, they kept it pretty quiet. Uh, yesterday, a Hillary Clinton superdelegate who recently resigned from his elite DNC position was hit with a 12-year prison sentence for public corruption. Sheldon Silver, a well-connected and notoriously corrupt New York politician was convicted by jurors last November of selling his office for financial kickbacks and sexual favors. Interestingly, Hillary Clinton and Sheldon Silver have been close allies since before she entered politics. Clinton has long credited Silver with persuading her to pursue a political career. In 1999, Silver met privately with the then First Lady at the White House, where he encouraged her to seriously consider being a candidate for the Senate seat being vacated. Um, After their two-hour meeting, Silver told the Daily News that after Clinton asked him what decision-making timetable he was comfortable with, he told her to take her time deciding whether to jump into the 2000 New York Senate race. Clinton used Silver's New York law office on multiple occasions. 
occasions to lobby for support from other city lawmakers. The two became exceptionally close. A certain level of interaction is to be expected, but the closeness between Mr. Silver and Ms. Clinton may have a significant impact on the Senate race and the Jewish vote uh, in November. Okay, uh, let me check something right quick. I was about to say... Uh, okay. Hey, yeah. Uh, but that's pretty much the. I'm trying to get to the part where they talk about what exactly he did. Uh, let me see. It doesn't really. It doesn't really say anything, man. Except for. Uh, all right. No, it doesn't really say anything about the um, details. Uh, the charges, but he was convicted on public corruption, selling influence. So I guess that's a, um, you know, a, a catch-all charge or something like that. But he got 12 years. Um, birds yeah. of a feather flock together. That's what I got to say. Right, right. That's why he's so close to, close to the next president. He's he's in there. So this is the thing that's followed the Clintons the entire time they've been on the on the national radar. Is shady people all in the wings with access to them at any given time, getting caught up, some coming up dead from whatever kind of weird situations, others getting caught and put in prisons and so forth. I mean, the entire way that they've been in politics, the, the trail is just ridiculous. But uh, Silver um, is is notorious, as the article was saying, for being corrupt, man, for being a, a behind-the-scenes uh, power broker, one of the inside guys that, that greases palms and gets things done with intimidation and illegal tactics. And, you know, so, I mean, he, he got sure. He went to court and he got this 12 years or whatever. As with every case of he somebody... He might do that, a year and get, and get out on yeah. good behavior, get pardoned. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't ever. It's it's just like I just don't even believe it until the sentence, the years of the sentence have passed, and the person you know is still there at the end of it. And and honestly, I don't always believe they really be in prison just because we don't see them. <laughs> <laughs> that's just because I don't see you. Don't mean that's where you was at. So I mean, I say don't we know, need man. to start checking the uh, uh, prison records, man. Make sure these yeah. people is actually where they supposed to be. Right, right, because they work so many deals and they got so much dirt on everybody and whatever the intimidation is that they can do to make people, you know, change their minds or whatever they, whatever the deal is, they just seem to refuse to put these corrupt officials, law enforcement, uh, political people, you know, all these uh, CEOs and bankers, and it's just like they just refuse to put these people in prison. And every time they keep saying it's too bad, it's too harsh, it's too much give them house arrest, give them this, give them that and then they continue to flood the jails and the prisons with homeless people, with mentally ill people, with children, with people that's coming here trying to get a job and immigrate and bring their family here so they can have a better future. That's what they fill the prisons up with and not criminals. So yeah, good for him. Hopefully he does every day of it and then die the day he get out. <laughs> <laughs> There is a um, there is a related story. I'm okay. I just found it. Okay, uh, Max had shared this one. He said it's an important story on many levels. Uh, it comes to you yeah. from the New York Post. A New York City correction officer's union head arrested in a corruption probe. Damn, New York. 
Man, ain't nothing changed up there since the days of Tammany Hall, I guess. You know, right? And you <laughs> see where she coming from. You know, this is this is the 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 dust starting to settle from when she was. You know, that's where she went to. That's where both of them went to. When he left the office of president, that's where they went to. Not even from there. Went there and set up shop and and was welcomed in and allowed to to dig deep roots into the system that was already there. They they folded right on in. She went from that to the secretary of state position so now you're starting to see the corruption you know the crumbs that lead to the to the criminals is starting to become apparent well uh the new york post reports that correction officers union chief norman seabrook uh was busted by the feds wednesday on corruption charges for allegedly selling himself for a Ferragamo bag full of cash, authorities said. Seabrook, president of the Correction Officers Benevolent Association, was arrested by the FBI at his Bronx home. Ain't that where the Clintons at? And then they set up shop in the Bronx. I'm not sure. Um, at, at his Bronx home, they just, you know, just the community just going downhill, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> Seabrook, president of the Correction Officers uh, Benevolent Association, was arrested by the FBI at his Bronx home and accused of receiving $60,000 in kicks, kickbacks stuffed inside the $820 bag, according to federal... Fi- oh, he wanted his money in a designer bag. Oh, okay, I got you. Right. I was like, right. what the hell is a Ferragamo bag? Alright, got, got you. For a Ferragamo bag full of cash, Norman Seabook allegedly sold himself. Manhattan U.S. Attorney Preet Bahara said at a press conference announcing the bust in connection with a sweeping corruption probe of City Hall and the NYPD. Also arrested was was former Platinum Partners hedge fund honcho Murray Hubberfield, uh, they are charged with honest services wire fraud. I don't know what that is. It's a very simple and straightforward quid pro quo. The quid being the 60000 In return for that kickback, there was a quo. Norman Seabrook using his power as head of the union to direct money to fund the previously uh, uh, run Oh, that doesn't make sense. To direct money to the fund. Oh, to the fund. Oh, to invest the police union money into a fund that was being managed by Hubberfield. Berhaha said, uh, how do you pronounce her name? Sorry. Um, so that was it. Seabrook was expected to earn between 100000 to 150000 in kickbacks, according to the federal complaint. Uh, Berhaha said it was the first time Platinum Partners had received union pension money. So there, there you go. There you go. Um, there's much, much more, but I do not want to read it all. You got the gist of it. Um, I, I, why does Max say this is important on so many levels? Well, outside of the obvious, which is a, a plantation overseer, uh, who was the head of the correction officers union, overseers union, and what have you. Um, you know, besides that being obvious, this is also a black man. This is the second black man that we have reported on that's been busted. Okay. The other one was what? The head of the Mississippi or the Alabama prisons? Mississippi, the longest serving Mississippi state official in state history. So Mike Evans. Right. Wasn't that right. His name? 
Yeah, yeah, Mike Epps, I remember, yeah. Um, so, you know, this is proxy racism in action right here. This is proxy racism uh, where black people, non-white people become the tools of racists, all right, stand as their proxies. And he, you know, got 60,000 butter biscuits and was hoping for 150,000 more, okay? Uh, and, and so, I mean, this is just so sad. This is why I have been reformulating I guess my views or reevaluating or reanalyzing the system that people call the system of white supremacy because this ain't no white man alright this black person this black man alright Mike Epps black man we can go on and on and on and on so hmm. understanding slavery like I understand slavery alright white supremacy, the white supremacist slave codes that uh, first appeared in the Virginia colony, you know, uh, uh, laws and what have you, um, you know, white supremacy is a symptom of slavery. It's not the other way around. It, it, it's not white supremacy, then slavery. Slavery came first in order to maintain slavery because they were enslaving more than just African people, all right? And so when the enslaved rose up against the, the wealthy plantation owners and whatnot, in order for them to save slavery, then that is when the, the uh, uh, enslavers cut a deal with the non-black slaves and be like, okay, we'll end slavery for you. We'll give you jobs as slave catchers, plantation overseers and whatnot in order, you know, to as long as you, you know, abandon your comrades and, and, and help us to maintain the system of slavery. That's how white supremacy codes came about, all right? So it's a symptom of slavery, all right? And I think right. it'll, it'll serve us better. I think that, you know, being accurate is very important because if you don't have the correct information, you can't come to the right, you know, conclusions or the solutions and whatnot. So, you know, this again is just another example of how non-white people, you know, particularly black people, hands are not clean in this. Remember, we was talking about Walter Scott earlier when Slager planted that taser on Walter Scott's dead body who was standing right there looking at him who was a Negro. who also filed a false report backing up everything Slager said but somehow was able to escape prosecution himself a Negro so yeah, Max is right this story is deep on so many levels your thoughts mm. Johanna man I mean everything you just mentioned <laughs> That's the thing about this program, man, and that's the thing about this life, this situation that we're discussing on this program, you know, relentlessly, tirelessly, unceasingly, every week, every day, really, is it doesn't change. So in a way, yeah, it's hard because it hurts, and it's real easy to, to let it hurt your feelings and to, and to hurt your heart and get you stirred up and have you, you know, wanting to do something. I mean, yeah, all that comes as a part of it. But one thing about it is it ain't hard to research. It ain't hard to tell what's going on because it's the same thing. It's the same template every time across the country. This dude, and it was Christopher Epps. My bad. Mike Epps is a comedian. That's what I was thinking when I said Okay, that. okay. Epps, I, I didn't catch yeah, that. <laughs> Christopher Epps, 
you know, this is a, a Negro 32 years in a state position. This man, I think they said he had an education in uh, in, be, in being in public education. That was his degree. And he wasn't making much money and might have got laid off from his school, first school he taught or something like that. And then somebody told him about trying to be a, a corrections officer. You know, that's a constant job. You don't need to, you know, worry about nothing. He went there and r rose up through the ranks. And uh, one of the worst prison systems in the country, one of the most overcrowded, uh, before he got caught, you know, every couple, every year they was having officials all up and down the line getting arrested and, you know, convicted of all kind of corruptions or whatever. And that's something we'll have to report on at some future date. But, you know, all you got to do is Google uh, Mississippi Corrections uh, Supervisor Convicted, and it'll just bring up all kind of stories from people from back in the early 2000s up until he got caught up. So saying all that to say, that's exactly what we just saw with this fool's case. I mean, he just he right, just did right, the same right. thing, basically. Right, right. So, and and also, you know, you said Mississippi one of the worst systems, but if this guy is the head of the NYC uh, uh, plantation overseers union and what have you, hmm. it's more than likely that most of them work at Rikers or or something like that. And you know, rest in peace, Khalif Browder. Um, still right. ain't got justice for you yet. Okay. Jerome Murto, homeless man, veteran, died in custody at Rikers, another one we reported on. A, a bunch of a bunch of stories yeah. come out of there. People being beat to death, uh um refused medical care and then dying from whatever was ailing them. Um we mentioned Khalif Browder. Uh there was another one where there was a mentally ill man um who they kept locked up in a hot ass cell for that's for, Murto. That was Murto. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The sister that they were talking about that was uh, locked up for several years, kind of like Khalif Browder's case, she got let out. Um, I don't want to burn bread on her, but is she still alive? Or she's, or did she uh, like Khalif Browder? Did she end up passing away? I think she's still alive, but it's a man. I wish I could think of that sister's name, but she was the same way, like like him. Got just caught up one day, thrown in Rikers, and spent like four or five years without ever even being put in front of a, a, a court case, just arrested and and detained. Hey, where do, where do you think this fund that they were going to put the plantation overseers, you know, a pension into? I bet you that fund probably had GO stocks in it, Correction Corporation of, of America stocks in it. You know they had those stocks in it, man. They, they of you know. Course. <laughs> wow. You know, a lot of people don't may not like to hear this because we have so much bad news to report. But, you know, you can bury your head in the sand. It's still going to run up and kick you in the ass. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. So, well, another one like kind of how we went from one extreme to the other. So this is bad. Um, I'd like to get on this uh, story about Devontae Sanford because we had mentioned him in the past when we were talking about Khalif Browder. Uh, before uh, when Khalif Browder had first gotten out before he passed. Um, right. This uh, is Devontae this... Sanford's story. He got let out finally. Yeah, this is uh, – I was going to save him as the Underground Railroad. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. My bad, my bad. Well, we, y'all got a teaser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we got, be talking we about him. Um, those who have been listening to Black Talk Radio over the years, y'all know, you know, we've had his mom on. Um, we've had um, – uh, what's the what's the guy's name? His name escapes me right now, man. He was really a strong advocate 
um, for um, Devontae. Uh, his name will come to me later. But we've right, had right. him on. Um, um, Darcy Delaproser, uh, Irish woman. Um, she actually, you know, um, had invested $3,000 into Black Talk Media Project. I shouldn't have said that. All right, I, I'm sorry. Um, but as the cat's already out the bag. When we first started and was struggling to survive as an organization, she invested money, you know, for us to cover these type of stories. And she definitely wanted us to talk about Devante's case, you know. And, and so, you know, this is a case I'm very familiar with, and I couldn't be more happy. But we'll get to the details of his case okay. later. Well, we might as well stick with a. Uh... With the crazy news, how about this one? A uh, New Jersey officer confesses to spitefully leaking the mug shots, mug shots of 14-year-old who was shot by the police multiple times. Mm. Just, man, I want to give a shout-out to uh, to Atlanta Black Star, first of all, because I remember when they were just getting this going and uh, came through to a lot of the pages on Facebook that, uh, you know, some of us have been, you know, adminning or whatever, um, I had a couple of pages that I was helping to admin at the time, and they reached out and, you know, let us know what they were trying to do and, you know, soliciting folks. If you're already an admin, if you like to write, if you can, you know, help us build this. I know people that have worked with them to help them build it up. I got to give them props, man, because they really do. They've advanced what they're doing, and, uh, you know, they do keep current uh, news this, this uh, you know, uh, pertinent to modern day slavery and to a lot of our situations that are unique to black folks and our our, right. our uh, experience here. So shout out to them. You know, keep up the good work. And I they do props. They, they got a they got a real thing. Going they on. they do take uh, submissions from the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Gus T. Renegade, who hosts the Contest of White Supremacy on the Black Talk Radio Network, he's published mm-hmm. a couple of articles in Atlanta Black Star. Right on. Right on. So, again, this story is a New Jersey officer confesses to uh, spitefully leaking the mugshots of a 14-year-old who was shot multiple times by the police. Last summer, 14-year-old black teen was gunned down by police in Trenton, New Jersey. Soon afterward, the juvenile's mugshot was plastered across the front page of a local newspaper. Of course, everybody listening knows this is par for the course. This is what happens, just like the damn gorilla story in Cincinnati. The father wasn't even there. And they had his mugshots and tell about his whole criminal history or whatever. He didn't have nothing to do with none of it. <laughs> this is just what they do, man. Um, uh, who would have guessed the police officer was responsible for illegally releasing the teen's arrest photos now that the officer is out of a job and faces possible time behind bars? According to the Associated Press, former Mercer County Police Officer Christopher McKenna, 37 years old, confessed to unlawfully leaking mugshots of Radaz Hearns to a reporter at the Trentonian. Last August, Hearns was shot seven times by officers who accused him of pointing a gun at them. McKenna accessed a restricted law enforcement database to obtain photos of the team. Uh, Per the Attorney General's office, juvenile photos and records are to remain sealed unless the information is necessary for police work. It's also illegal for officers to distribute such private information to the public. The former New Jersey police officer violated every aspect of the law when he handed over the photos to the local newspaper. According to NewJersey.com, the Trentonian then published three mugshots, along with the story detailing Hearn's previous arrests. The teen's name was also printed in the article. McKenna had, I mean, damn, this kid is 14. They did him dirty every way they could. McKenna had been accused of alerting the publication to Hearn's arrest records, too. Think Progress reported, uh, 
and they said it now that an ex-officer is permanently barred from employment in the state of New Jersey and could spend up to 364 days in prison. According to the Associated Press, Hearns was hospitalized for about a week following the shooting. New Jersey police were responding to reports of a shooting near Trenton Apartments uh, August 7, 2015, when they encountered Hearns and two other teens. Police say Hearns attempted to flee the scene and pointed a gun at them, after which they fired several shots, hitting the teen in the legs and buttocks. But the authorities' story began to unravel when a witness came forward and gave a different account of what happened. According to Think Progress, Rhonda Tirado saw the chase and subsequent shooting from her window. She confirmed that the officers confronted the three teens and that Hearns tried to run. However, Tirado said it looked as if Hearns was trying to pull up his pants as he ran, not grab for any weapon. That's uh, like... Um, the little kid that they that they killed in a in a Flatbush uh, last year, same kind of thing. He had pulling his pants up, shot him dead, shot him in the back. Um, could, uh, not Kajimi Powell. Anyway, these police uh, were amped up and they didn't give that little boy a chance. Uh, there was no room for no chase. They just shot that little boy right there. Hearns, now 15, later told associate that he was actually trying to toss a handgun that was in his possession, which a witness confirmed. Prosecutors opted to charge the teen in juvenile court rather than adult court. He was convicted of possessing a handgun. See, they don't let no black person get off for nothing. <laughs> he was convicted as though getting shot all them times wasn't bad enough. He still had to go to court and got convicted. Possessing a handgun, possessing a defaced firearm, mm. and aggravated assault. Whew. According to the news site, Hearns rejected a number a number of plea deals before that he ultimately pleaded guilty to having defaced the firearm. Um under the conditions of the plea bargain, the charge will be expunged from his record when he turns 18. McKenna's misconduct could potentially compromise the team's chance for a fresh start, however. With Hearn's arrest photos floating around, it could make securing a future job or an education that much harder. So, I mean, that's pretty much the end of the story, but it's just uh, par for the course, man. Par for the course. Par for the course, man. I tell you. <clears throat> yeah, I tell you, man. It can, it, it, I don't know about you, Johanna. Um, somebody's got to do this, but man, these this stuff kind of wears on me, man, because it, it just seems to be no end in sight, man. You know, right. it, it just bothers me so much that it doesn't bother as many people as it should. Right, and what bothers me, honestly, Scotty, the thing that, that really does bother me about this is not even, of course it's horrible, and of course we're at war. Of course this is our sworn enemy to the death, these people who will do these things. Uh, we, I get that. But that don't even bother me. I mean, warfare is a part of life. You know, warfare is a part of, of advancing through life somehow, some way. So I, I get it as a man that we're going to have to fight for what we want. We're going to have to fight for freedom. We're going to have to fight to protect our families, fight to protect our future, fight to create a space for ourselves to survive and then begin to thrive. I get all that. I'm not complaining about that. That don't even bother me for real because what else would I do if I wasn't fighting? But the thing that gets in my heart, man, the thing that that, this, that just it makes it hard for me to, to, to calm down when I'm reading this and researching, when I'm on the program in my day-to-day -day life, just it, it, it gets my blood pressure up. It, the thing that, that messes with me is these damn naysayers, especially the non-white ones. You got to fight Negroes harder than you fighting these. these the, the, the slavers are just collecting money. They ain't, you ain't even passing a, a lick that's gonna touch them. 
you got to fight with these Negroes that don't want to believe it. It's it's going on right now in the in the uh, move to abolish 21st century slavery form. It's people that's commenting on stories that in disbelief and want to dispute and and don't want to agree and want to try to blame the victims and. How like, did you ain't kick what? them out? <laughs> you didn't kick them out the group. I mean, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Sometimes I like to go ahead and engage people. And and kind of have a mock debate where I've raised, but obviously they joined it. They joined it to be a disruption because this is a group. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll get them out. I'll get them out. I mean, because this was a group that was uh, uh, created for abolitionists. I I know, but I just want to say this was a group created for abolitionists. People who recognize that slavery was never abolished and want to do whatever they can to bring about an end to it for real this time you know and so anybody who would join and then you know want to argue with people and and victim blame and stuff obviously they are not abolitionists and they have just joined to you know be a nuisance but those are my thoughts well, on it. Um, yeah oh yeah i agree and then you know they're gonna learn that lesson but like i said i just try to leave it up as long as i can so people can kind of observe get some points, understand, you know, learn, and then kind of identify that this person is ridiculous, and then when we get them on out of there, we'll we'll take care of the next one. But, yeah, right. that's the thing that drives me up a tree is just our own people. Like, you got the target on your back, too. <laughs> it's not that you, you're some kind of way just looking at us like, ooh, y'all, y- y'all going through it, but uh, it ain't me. Yeah, it's you, too, and you sitting here in disbelief trying to fight and argue with me and tell me that what I'm saying ain't true. This is my children's lives, man. If it was just me, Maybe I'd be one of them, for all I know. I, I don't know. If it was just me on this planet, just me, myself, the end of my bloodline is me. Hey, I stay out of jail. Everything's good. I have children, man. Hey, Frederick Douglass didn't have, have no children. kids. Frederick Douglass didn't have no children. Well, yeah, yeah. I understand. I'm just saying, I mean, maybe I would not care if I didn't have no skin in the game. But for all I know, I could get a call any day and have a Tamir Rice situation, God forbid, right. go on up a couple more years, have a, a Michael Brown situation, God forbid, mm-hmm. keep on going down the line. You could you could name a child every age from toddler on up to 90-something-year-old grandmothers and grandfathers just murdered, just boom. Yeah, I, I know the little uh, town that's uh, close to where we live, uh, those cops tried to hem uh, my daughters up and whatnot and and you know so yeah it, i am under no illusion that uh i'm safe you know what i'm saying i may be safer than others you know uh but wherever you have slave catchers the threat is always there indeed so in slavery that's what it's all about in slavery in slavery and in the incentive to enslave end the corporate profiting off of slavery, end the incentive that all of the, because that's really what's at the heart of it when it started all those years ago. Mm -hmm. Yes, they wanted to build the country on land that they stole. Yes, they wanted to build it with free labor. So yes, that created a domestic colony here and and brought all them people over here and enslaved them, kidnapped them, toward all of that happened. But it still goes back to another profit incentive to be able to rape the land where you stole them from. So this Mm -hmm. whole planetary situation that we see now that can basically be described as American foreign policy is to destabilize everybody that is not us so we can take their resources. And export slavery. 
And right, and it's and it's and the method it's done through, and the thing that it supports is slavery because you can steal the resources with free labor. Africa is being ripped apart for the resources with Africans that still there being used as slaves. America is being propped up. The economy is being propped up. The labor that produces the goods that are being purchased here is being mm-hmm. propped up by slave labor. I mean, so, you know, you look at the GEO group being awarded the um, um, the contracts to manage the prisons in Australia. Now, who the hell you think they're going right. to be focused on? The aboriginal right. people. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I've also read about Brazil. Um, them mm-hmm. trying to open up private prisons in, in Brazil and what have you. And we know G4S, a British-based company, is the largest employer in, in Africa. Africans yes. enslaving other Africans through the prison plantations. So, you know, man. hey man, in Europe, the uh, explosion of the of the Muslim population. A lot mm-hmm. of those people are refugees, and guess what color refugees they are? Most of them, mm-hmm. a lot of them anyway. And guess what's in them French prisons over there? Mm-hmm. Black Muslims. Mm-hmm. This, <laughs> this is, is not... a, this a global problem. Yes, man. Yes, yes. And to have your own black brother or sister sit right next to you and look at you like you got two heads because you know what you're talking about and they ain't picked up a book since fifth grade mm. like come on man all right it's our well, last break yeah we're going to go ahead and take our last break of the night you're listening to new abolitionist radio on the black talk radio network if you would like to chime in in this last 30 minutes don't hesitate to give us a call the telephone number is 641 641- 715-3660 The participant code is 549-032-POUND Hit star 6 and 1 to comment on air. We'll be right back. Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. All right, we are back again. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network, airing every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, hosted by Max Parthis, Johanna Elia, and yours truly, uh, Scotty Reed. Uh, do just want to remind you, still got plenty of T-shirts, uh, Black Radio Stations uh, Matters, T-shirts and for a donation to the North Carolina-based nonprofit Black Talk Media Project of $25 or more, you will get a thank you T-shirt, Black Radio Stations Matters T-shirt, um, free of charge. So indeed, where, indeed. Where do support we the grassroots, y'all. Yeah, because we don't take any kind of 
funding from corporations, from these so-called philanthropic organizations and what have you. Uh, we don't apply for federal grants or state grants or totally listener funded, totally listener funded. Well, you think we got a uh, time for for one more story from the uh, planning page, and then you know our segments to wrap it up, or? Yeah, we have time. Okay. Well, I want to uh, cover this story in truth out because uh, I, I tend to enjoy uh, Brother James Kilgore's uh, writing. He's uh, he's been uh, you know right on point with a lot of things I've seen him produce over the last few years since I've known him. He had a piece in a uh, Truth Out magazine uh, that said truthout.org, uh, and I'll post this link in the New Abolitionist uh, Radio page. Uh, that says opposing mass incarceration is quote unquote trendy but can we stop the train of piecemeal reform so this goes hand in hand of course with a a uh, a theme you know that we preach on this program and a part of the new abolitionist movement you cannot reform slavery you cannot reform lynching you cannot reform rape you cannot reform slave labor you have to abolish terrorism. You have to, I mean, do you see the war on terror being a, a reforming of terror? Are we trying to reform ISIS? <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to blow them off the damn map. So, I mean, slavery is just as bad as anything ISIS ever did. Actually, probably worse, because, I mean, ISIS ain't did nothing to me. I sound like Muhammad Ali now, RIP. They ain't never called me, did no name. They ain't never came after me. But these slavers is after me every day. These slavers is after my children and everybody that look like me. And I see the prisons is full of what these slavers are effectively uh, kidnapping and, and incarcerating and enslaving. So we cannot reform a terrorist regime. You have to, to, to destroy it. So uh, his articles, if we look back to 2012 presidential campaign, uh, election and criminal legal system, uh, much less mass incarceration, we're... Uh, we're not even on the list of issues to be debated, and that's something we talked about, you know, amongst ourselves, like looking again. at it all unfold. Say that again. It wasn't even on the radar. In they said in 2012 in the election. Well, actually, it was on the radar. Um, Ron well, Paul was talking about it. Yeah, he did, and he did introduce it to the conversation. I, I, I give you that. He did. I, I do he remember was the only 2012. One. <laughs> Go ahead. He was the only one. Right, uh, right. Yeah. I remember 2012 knowing that uh, we need we needed to address um, that as well as the uh, Voter Rights Act, and these things were not brought up, you know, in Obama's second term, and uh, that's kind of when I checked out and, and definitely turned to uh, the, the abolitionist movement is really kind of my feeling of the only hope, so... Mm-hmm. Um, as it says, though, uh, so this things, you know, these things weren't being debated. It says, though, we still had 2.3 million people in prison and jail. It was kind of a non-issue. Yet today, candidates from Rand Paul to Bernie Sanders have condemned excessive levels of incarceration and overspending on criminal punishment and called for reform. We've also seen the increasing presence of these issues in the media. Witness the Marshall Project, the liberal online news. I, say, I hate when they do that. Why does it have to be liberal, man? They telling about what's going on. Is it? There's no political party affiliated with this. This is slavery, and these people are calling it that, and they're calling people out on what they're doing. <sighs> anyway, led by former New York Times executive editor Bill Keller, 
which publishes on nothing but the criminal legal system and injustice. The publication won a Pulitzer Prize in its first year of operation. Some concrete advances have also taken place. Obama released 6,000 people from federal prison in one fell swoop last November. The state of Mississippi reduced its prison population by 14% in one year alone. The reduction in juvenile incarceration in Texas and several other states, most notable are bills floating around in state legislatures and Congress for pressing for reform and reducing mandatory minimums, providing more money for reentry, slashing the cost of prison phone calls, decriminalizing substances, reducing solitary confinement, and curbing police powers. Unlike mainstream pundits may have us believe, this inspiration for this momentum for change is not primarily financial, but a result of mass mobilization. We've had immigrants' rights activists, largely led by Latino youth, mobilizing against deportations, pushing President Obama, who they labeled the deporter-in-chief, to ease some of the heat on immigrants. Most important has been black-led resistance to violent police and vigilante abuse, a critique that became national news with Trayvon Martin, but then rose to a new level with the murder of Mike Brown and all the others that followed. These rebellions catalyzed the formation of organizations and the emergence of a movement alongside the spread of the slogan, Black Lives Matter, bought and paid for by George Soros. Uh, We've seen the birth and expansion of groups like the Black Lives Matter Network, uh, the Ferguson Action Committee, Baltimore Block, We Charge Genocide, shout out to We Charge Genocide, Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, shout out to Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, one of the first ones that brought me into understanding what was going on with the 2012 report, Operation Ghetto Storm, uh, Million Hoodies, Black Youth Project, 100, Leaders of Beautiful Struggle, Asada's Daughters, Dream Defenders, and of course, the new abolitionist movement, Standing Tall. In the face of all this, politicians at many levels recognized they had to do something, so they realized people wasn't taking this crap no more. So he goes on to talk about all the different players and on and on and on and what have you. So I'll post the story. I'll post the link up or what have you. They're just saying that this is coming out, and people can't ignore it no more. So, you know, that's all fine and good, but you cannot reform what's going on, people. You have to abolish it. So Yep, you got to abolish it. And, you know, you mentioned Obama. Uh, setting those people free in, in one fell swoop. Somebody had, had posted an article um, about some recent uh, commutations or, or pardons or something that he did. And look, don't get me wrong. I'm happy those people been set free from slavery. But understand what's going on. Those, those people that he has released are a drop in the bucket. Okay? They are a mm. drop in the bucket when you look at this this system of slavery and its victims in its totality is a drop in the right. bucket. All right, it is a, it's symbolism. That's all it is. It's symbolism. This man won't even remove cannabis from the scheduled list of most dangerous drugs, even though him he himself has stated that it's no more dangerous than alcohol. He himself used it a lot. He, he even before he ran for president, he, he joked about how much he used to smoke. OK. Right. And, and so for him not to re- do something as simple as removing cannabis from the scheduled list of drugs so that there is no more federal prohibition and take away that tool from the slave catchers to enslave people. I mean, it, that just speaks more to me than any. 100 or 200 or 300 people he set free because for those 200, 300 that he set free, there's a, a 100,000 more. Right, you right. Know? My my thing, man, is that everyone counts. Like, of course, people get upset over every police 
killing this uh, innocent, unarmed, you know, citizen, the, the story that makes it to the news. And rightfully so. That's a life. And that person had a right to live. And they were murdered extrajudicially, even if they was doing something wrong. You still got a right to a fair trial. So if you're not an immediate threat to the life of the officers, then you should be allowed to face the trial in front of with a jury of your peers. But this is not being extended to hundreds and possibly even thousands of American citizens every year. So yes, I get it when people get upset, and rightfully so, about one person dying. But at the same time, when people don't get behind moving, like you said, to decriminalize uh, the, the uh, drugs so that you can stop putting millions of lives behind bars and you open the door for false arrests. You open the door for people planting evidence on folks and trumping folks up and throwing them in and, and keeping the, the jail uh, cycle just a machine just running all the time because they know they can go to that well and it's never going to run out of water. They can just keep running people through the system and just ruin entire lives. To me, those people are every bit as important. That homeless brother or sister, that mentally ill person that don't even know what's going on in their life. they just homeless and on the street, and they get picked up every couple weeks, and they stay in jail for a couple months, and they generate thousands of dollars for the system, and they dump them back on the street, and that person never gets any help. They never know what's going on. And like we reported on that brother down in Louisiana, they got caught up in a damn police sting with a 20 bag of weed, had been convicted of uh, theft or something like 30 years earlier, still mentally retarded and homeless 30 years earlier. They never helped the man. 30 years later, he gets caught in a police thing with a, with a 20 bag of weed and got a life sentence out of it because it was his third conviction. I mean, that to me is as bad as Michael Brown. Every bit as bad as Michael Brown. You know, um, somebody had shared a story with me, um, um, tagged me in a story where this brother had gotten life in prison for just cannabis for a quarter pound of cap a cannabis a quarter pound mm -hmm. of cannabis yeah. people that is I not that. that's not a whole lot that's not a quarter no. pound of cannabis and he got life in prison like he was out here trying to sell suitcase noose or something right 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 yeah man this is the game and that, and that's what we're talking about when we say the financial incentive to enslave. You know, all he's going to end up doing now is is they got a slave for life. And and again, this speaks to one of the issues that even created the race aspect of slavery back in the day. Again, people all roads lead back to slavery. In the beginning of the country, yes, there were people of various races, Europeans that were brought here as indentured servants, but there was a time frame where them people had to work and then they would be set free. Those people had, had the ability to contact their home countries. They still had communication some kind of way. Yes, yeah, the colonial days, so it ain't like they could call home, but word would get back to wherever they came from. Look, man, they over here whooping folks, raping folks, killing people, and something would be done about that the natives that were here this was their land so you wasn't going to be too successful kidnapping these people they people was coming for them and they was going to escape and run and you wasn't going to find them no more so who shows up on the scene Africans from thousands and thousands of miles away that ain't got no connection to nothing this is a perfect slave for this kind of system because they ain't got nobody got their back nobody knows what's happening to them across the other side of the planet it'll take decades for the word to get back about what's going on very similar situation right now with people 
Like with this brother, you give him life in prison, you don't have to let him out. You don't have to ever see the end of a slave. When them indentured servants were coming, one of the main complaints the slave owners had at that time was by the time they got them trained in a skill, by the time <laughs> they got them uh, broke down to where they would do the work and they could, you know, would do be a part of the operation, they knew they had a release date coming soon. So they really didn't ever have to play ball. Man, I'm going to be out of here in a couple years. I don't care what you're talking about. You do whatever you want to do. I'm going to be out in a couple years. All I got to do is wait till my release date. Here comes the African. Every African got a life sentence. They children got a life sentence. They children's children. Every African perceivably into the future is, is going to be a slave, as according to the laws, for 300 years in this country. Very similar to life sentences right now. You're in for life. Mm. Um, we got about 14 minutes left so we do want to uh, uh, get into um, our story about Devontae Sanford uh, give me just yeah. a second I want to cue up this video it's playing a commercial now but uh, Devontae Sanford is a story I've known about since I started Black Talk Radio Network Okay, and had reported on his story for a very, very long time, share information that his family and advocates uh, put out. And here is a report from the news about uh, Devontae Sanford being set free. Uh, let me see if I can get this to play. Okay, let me see. Not hearing anything. All right, let me just read because uh, something's going on with this video. And it's not playing. All right. A 23-year-old man who was wrongfully convicted of killing four people at age 14 has been released from prison. A judge ordered the release of Devontae Sanford after the young man served nine years in prison for a crime that a professional hitman later took responsibility for. They're talking about Vincent Smothers, who took the extraordinary act of feeling he caught a conscience this was a hit man who who murdered people and he admits to murdering these people and he was accused of murdering these four people on Runyon Street and he found out that Devontae had been convicted for a crime that he committed he and another accomplice committed so he knew he was innocent now he didn't have to say anything but I guess you know he wanted to redeem himself as much as possible caught a conscience and couldn't see this young kid being sentenced to 90 years for something he knew that young kid didn't do it was no chance mothers was going to get out anyway um but he still didn't have to do what he did and for years man for years kim worthy black woman prosecutor of wayne county did everything she could to keep this young boy behind bars man and it, it's just really, man, it just, man, I'm so glad he's out. Um, but it says the shootings took place in 2007 at a Detroit drug house. According to Devontae Sanford's family, the teen confessed to the crime under police pressure. Now, that's all they got there. Let me give, give you the details. Devontae was 14 years old at the time. Um, I think he's blind in one of his eyes. Um, he's developmentally uh, challenged and whatnot, and he was outside in his pajamas, and he went up to the police and asked them what happened and all this and that. And then next thing, then he was telling them, well, he knew what happened, and so they took him down, didn't call his parents, didn't give him an attorney, started interrogating him, wrote up a confession, 
and then had him sign it. They didn't even record it, record it like they were supposed to record the interview. So they, they took a child from his community, like Kunta Kente, from West Africa, all right, and, and then threw him in the slavery, man, railroaded this kid. And then, you know, uh, the the so-called criminal justice system up there did everything it could to keep him behind bars. But his family didn't give up. Um, his advocates did not give up. And he was released today. So welcome home, Devontae Sanford, writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad. Welcome home. Welcome home. God have mercy. I mean, man, I have I have I have cried real tears, man, just looking at this kid. Like that's exactly what I'm talking about, people. You know, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That is that that's enough for you to become a John Brown. That's enough for you to become a Frederick Douglass. That's enough for you to become a Harriet Tubman and, and find a way to tunnel up in there and start carrying them out. A 14-year-old child with mental base. I mean, they're being nice. He's basically mentally retarded. Known to be mentally off. And a detective that railroaded him and put him in there? A Negro. That prosecutor that went after him and kept him in there? A Negress. These are black people doing this to a black child. If you can't look in his eyes and see the innocence of someone that is is void of 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 a sense of reality of what's going on around him, it ought to make your te- it ought to make your eyes well up just a little bit to look at him. He's coming out of the prison on the day he's being released, looking just as innocent and confused as the day he went in eight years ago. I feel like Jeremiah Wright, Reverend Wright, right now. Not God bless America, God damn America. I mean, how many children are you going to do this to, man? It's one thing if you come get me. I'm a grown-ass man. I mean, you know, I fight for mine. I know it's wrong. All the political prisoners, you know, they knew the score. They in there, and they know the score. You know, this is grown men and grown women, and you can fight for yours. But you're taking little children and doing this. Well, you are the one that that enlightened me that most of the uh, kidnapped, enslaved Africans from Africa were children around his age. Man. I mean, you can't get no more heartless, man. You can't get no more inhumane than to be a person that you do everything you do trying to raise up your own children. You love your kids to be promoted and and taking pictures of them and putting them in great positions and setting them up with a future and making connections where they ain't got nothing but a grease rail, silver spoon and a a grease rail all the way through life, got investments and, and, and money put up and opportunities and make sure they get the good job and get the cushy situation. I mean, you know how to be loving and caring towards your own. You know how to have empathy and concern for somebody to look like you and is going to carry on your legacy and keep your money in, in, in the bloodline on into the future. But when it comes to somebody that don't look like you, suddenly all bets are off. It ain't even like we relating to other human beings. It, it's like it's animals versus humans or something. Because you mm-hmm. shall turn into a savage and treat mm-hmm. people like they are not uh, human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I know I know um, his family is so happy tonight, you know, his first night home and, and what have you. So, you know, um, God bless that family, man. God bless the family. Um, we do Indeed. need to hit our last um, 
segment on the abolitionists. Did did you want to do the abolitionists? Sure, I could do it. We got I got the link pulled up. All so right. Are we, are we doing music around? Yeah, it? yeah. Let me bring it up. All right, right on. Tonight, our abolitionist in profile is Brother Lewis Tappan. Lewis Tappan was the New York abolitionist who, in the opinion of John Quincy Adams, was most responsible for securing the freedom of the Africans of the Amistad. Contacted by Connecticut abolitionists soon after the Amistad was towed into port, Tappan dedicated himself to securing high-quality legal representation for the captives, raising money for their defense and provision, increasing public support for their cause, recruiting teachers to provide them instruction, and finally arranging for their return to their African homeland. Louis Tappan and his brother Arthur were successful merchants who helped found the American Anti-Slavery Society. The Tappan brothers' outspoken champion of universal liberty made them the targets of pro-slavery mobs and terrorists. In 1834, a mob broke into Tappan's home where an anti-slavery society meeting was being held. They threw his furniture out into the street, then burned it. The next year, an unarmed person advertised a $100,000 reward to the person who would deliver the dead bodies of the Tappans to any slave state. Tappan was burned in effigy, attacked in the press, unable to purchase insurance for either himself or his possessions, and sent crude warnings in the mail ranging from pieces of rope to a slave's ear. For protection, Tappan carried only a copy of the New Testament in his breast pocket. Tappan was an uncompromising moralist with views that many, even in the abolitionist movement, found rather extreme. For example, Tappan favored intermarriage as the long-range solution to racial issues. He envisioned a quote-unquote copper-colored America where race would cease to be a defining characteristic. Tappan described slavery as the worm at the root of the tree of liberty. The Amistad's arrival on American shores was, he thought, a providential occurrence that might allow the heart of the nation to be touched by the power of sympathy. Tappan joined with Simeon Jocelyn and Joshua Levitt to form the Amistad Committee that hired legal counsel, made key legal litigation decisions, and provided support of all kinds for the Africans. It was the decision of Tappan and the committee to file civil suits in New York against Montez and Ruiz for assault, battery, and false imprisonment. The civil suits, though generating considerable anger and adverse publicity, succeeded in drawing public attention to the broader moral issues raised by the Amistad affair. Tappan attended each day of the Amistad trials and wrote daily accounts of the proceedings for the Emancipator. After achieving legal victory in the Supreme Court, Tappan began plans to use the Amistad Africans as the nucleus for his dream to Christianize Africa. New Abolitionist Radio supports Lewis Tappan for his fight against slavery. Salute to you, sir. Salute. May, some people um, may not agree uh, with his analysis on how to solve the problem, but guess what? He was doing <laughs> something. He was doing something. He wasn't sitting on the sidelines. He was trying to figure right, this thing out. Right. The boy, had, got, he had an idea in his head. I'll tell you what, them sisters will do that to you. Make you <laughs> let me hush. He said, he said he had a cure for it, huh? Wow. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, so that's a good story to end it on, man. He was a tireless fighter. And you see how they treated him? You know, this is a white man. And you see what they did? Put a $100,000 bounty on his head. Back in the day, man, 100000 was what? Probably $10 million man, a day. Man, that was a lot. 
Wow. Put a bounty on his head. It said, "Deliver his dead body to a slave state, and we'll we'll cut him in pieces and do whatever we do to folks we do, hate." Do way. like they did. What was what was Reverend Bewley or who was Bewley? Anthony Bewley, yeah. Put his bones <laughs> on display after they killed him. Damn, Man, for the children dirty. to play with. Dirty, dirty. Mm-mm-mm. And this is a good old Christian nation, America. And these are Christian ministers. These are men that believed. And they did this to Anthony Bewley was a pastor too. Mm. Skinned him and put his bone, put his skeleton on top of the general store. Yep. Man. <laughs> Tell you, wow. where are the stories about where are the movies about that? You know? Right, right, right. I they ain't got nothing that. against roots. roots. I ain't got nothing against roots, but that story's been told too many times when you got all this material, you know, that you could be making new movies with and, and what have you. So Man, you know, well, maybe that's what the Black Talk Media Project need to do if ever we can get a proper budget. Is is partner up with with like Cr Capers of Revolution Media, who already, um, you know, is a filmmaker, and also um, shout out to uh, the Hip Hop Film Festival in New York City, which is coming up in August. Uh, the Black Talk Media Project, Black Talk Radio Network, is a sponsor of that. But I'm just saying, man, all these stories that that we talked about over the years of these abolitionists, you know, uh, compelling stories, you know. So, man, maybe we need to, um, you know, send these people information. Because a lot of these people, like myself, you know, um, I did not even knew existed, man, into this program. Right. Right, right. A lot of crazy stuff, man. And I'll just leave that as my final comment, you know, as we get ready to exit out, is just look at the savagery that the slavers are willing to enact against even their own people, man. I mean, right. against anybody that's not down with what they're doing. I mean, on some levels, it really ain't about race. On some levels, it's just simply savage desire to continue to control people like like chattel, like like items. And they're willing to do anything to keep that control. So peace to the abolitionists death to the oppressors and you know what if you ain't out here fighting and trying to do something about what's going on you in the oppressor class right right well my final comment will be uh, um, you know want to uh, let Max and his family know that they are in our prayers and hope that those issues he shared with us get resolved uh, fairly quickly and what have you Um, so uh, definitely uh, just want to acknowledge our abolitionist comrade and slavery is not going to end itself. Um, it's going to take boots on the ground. And we recruiting for this abolitionist army, and we hope that you will join us. Uh, we have a group on Facebook called Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery um, and Human Trafficking. You could join us there. Um, but also look to hook up with abolitionists right there in your community. And if you don't see any abolitionists, then you need to go out and convert some. All right, so um, we'll be back on air next Wednesday. Uh, stay tuned as the Lotus Place radio show is coming right up. Um, um, again, that's it. That's it. In slavery.